The second season of El Flow is here. Step into the ever-evolving world of reggaeton and get up close with both legendary figures and emerging talents in the industry. Part of the enormous significance of reggaeton is really the way in which personal narratives connect to larger things going on historically and socially. Listen to El Flow on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. I'm John Seifer. And I'm Jerry O'Shea. We spent over 30 years in the CIA uncovering global conspiracies. Conspiracies aren't just a theory to us, which is why we started our podcast, Mission Implausible. Everyone has questions about conspiracy theories, but with our background, we can actually answer those questions. Anyone can just start screaming about microchips and Jewish space lasers, but it's our mission to remove the bull and get down to what's real. Listen to Mission Implausible on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening to the Herd Podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday on Fox Sports Radio at noon to 3 Eastern, 9 a.m. to noon Pacific. Find your local station for the Herd at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching Fox Sports Radio or FSR. Now let's get this party started. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. Here we go. It's hour two. It's a Tuesday. Live in Los Angeles, it's the Herd. Wherever you may be and however you may be watching or listening, whatever device, thanks for making us part of your day. Nick Wright in five minutes. Herd hierarchy in a second. So I, I've been saying this all year in the NFL. There are no great teams. There's just one great roster, the Niners. But there's no great teams. Now, if you put a great quarterback on the Niners, that's a great team. We have one great roster. The rest of the league is situation. Except San Francisco. That's what I said. And then last night I said, no, it's situational for them too. Is I think the difference in this league between the third best team and the 10th best team is situational. Who'd you play the week before? Who you playing next week? Who won the turnover battle? It's all inches, not feet. I, I think the difference between the four... Dallas plays Detroit this week. I mean, really? That way we, I mean, you're going to tell me one's 10 and one's three? How about one's maybe six and one maybe is five? I think the whole league is situational. This is not like the NBA where the Celtics and the Nuggets starting fives are absolutely better than everybody. It's not tennis when a Serena or a, 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 the Joker can dominate for years. You know it going in. We have one great roster. And I don't think we have a great team, though Baltimore looked like it last night. So here is my herd hierarchy, one of the more difficult ones of the year. I don't know how I've been winning bets because it's a hard league week to week to figure out. Here we go. Herd hierarchy. Time is now. Let's go. The top 10 NFL teams according to college. Number 10. I think Cleveland's weird. I said this last week, and Joe Flacco took over, and they're 3-1. and one. I think it's a great story. I don't think it's a great team. Uh, but Flacco's an adult. He throws the ball down the field, and the bottom line is opposing quarterbacks this year have a passer rating of 71.6 against Cleveland. 
So they muddy it up and ugly it up. It's a fun story with Flacco. I don't think they're going to do anything in the postseason with Flacco. So I'm going to keep them where I had them last week at 10. Number nine. Listen, Kansas City is, they got a problem. They're bad at wide receiver. And by the way, they lead the AFC in offensive penalties. They look disorganized. And that's with Mahomes and Andy Reid and Travis Kelsey. They're just not good there. And they're not good at tackle. Mahomes, I don't want to hear he's not seeing the field. He sees the field fine. He's not comfortable. They're trying to duct tape some of their issues. They're averaging only 21 points a game. So, again, I think they're going to win out. I think they're going to end up 11-6 and six and be fine with a shot to get in the AFC Championship. But they remind me of that Cincinnati team that, by the way, got to the Super Bowl that had a horrible offensive line, and they got some narrow wins down the stretch and in the playoffs. I think Kansas City can do that. But right now, that wide receiving group is a mess, and the O-line isn't great. Nine for Kansas City. Number eight. If you'd have told me before the season I had the Rams over Kansas City, oh, wait, I told you the Rams reminded me of an older Kansas City. I said that in preseason. Stafford's on an absolute heater. The O-line is healthy. Kyron Williams only trails Tyreek Hill and Christian McCaffrey in yards per game. Running the football, not turning it over. Great coach. Stafford, they got Puka Nakua, Cooper Cup, Tyler Higby. They're, They're really playing well at tackle. They're doing a lot of things Kansas City isn't, right? Like good at tackle, quarterbacks on a heater, not many drops, rookies delivering. They're a real team, Rams at eight. Number seven. These are not standings. I still have Miami about seven. Oh, great. They finally beat a winning team at home. Well, they're good at home. You get that funky Miami weather and it's raining. I will say this. Without Tyron Smith at left tackle for Dallas, Bradley Chubb looked like LT. He wouldn't if they met again. Dallas would beat him on a neutral field. They'd beat him in Dallas. And I think it's still a team that hasn't won a playoff game in 23 years that I don't trust. I do love their coach and some offensive pieces, but I've got him at seven. Number six. And I still think Dallas is better. These are not standings. Dallas didn't have their Hall of Fame left tackle, and I said that going into the game. If he doesn't play, it's not the same offense. Bottom line is, Dallas has three wins against winning teams. There was some funky officiating in this game. I don't even know what to say about that Micah Parsons penalty. That's the dumbest thing in the world. Micah Parsons is 6'2", 230, running full speed, can't make a full stop in half a second, and you penalize him. But I don't want to blame officials. Mike McCarthy promised us a more physical run team. That's not what we have, Dallas at six. Number five. I like Philadelphia. Once again, their offensive line in the fourth quarter, three drives, dominated. The team's going to be fine. Last year, they finished 14-3 and three against a bunch of yucky quarterbacks. This year, they're going to finish 13-4 and four against much better quarterbacks. I like them. They're not perfect. I think they're trying to figure out their way offensively, but I like their receivers, their O-line capable running backs. Jalen Hurts is a leader, offensive coach. They're not good in the back end, and you can beat them on the back end, and everybody's beating them on the back end, but they're going to finish 13-4. and four. I like Philadelphia at five. Number four. They won't be here next week, but I got to give Detroit credit. Here's an amazing stat. Detroit has four different players, four different players with eight-plus touchdowns. They nailed the draft. Jameer Gibbs, Laporta, Amaron St. Brown, dominating offensive line. Again, I think they lose to Dallas this upcoming week. But Jared Goff, when he doesn't turn it over, they are 7-0. They can, I love this about him. They can play with a lead without O-line. They can play from behind. 
I like teams that can play multiple ways. The Lions can play trailing. They can win when they play poorly. They can win playing great. Do I worry about them on the road? Yeah, I don't think I'd take them against Philadelphia in January, but I'd take them at Tampa. I'd take them at home. I'd take them against Dallas. I'd take them at SoFi, although they wouldn't have to play there. They'd play the Rams at home. I like the Lions at four. I don't say it with a great deal of confidence knowing their history, but I have them at four. Number three. The Bills. People are not paying attention. Josh Allen is the least sack quarterback in the league. This is their best O-line. James Cook, first Bills player with 1,000 rushing yards in five years. For years, I've been saying they're too Josh Allen reliant. Finally, they're not, so I have to be true with them. Their O-line's playing well. Their run game's legitimate. This is the Bills team that is not completely beholden to Superman making nine plays a game. He needs to make about two. I like this version of Buffalo a lot. We've seen in recent years, teams catch fire. The Tampa Bay team did. The Rams team did. Teams catch fire. Week 12, 13, 14, they get the O-line right. They finally get the run game right. I think the Bills are the team this year. Number two. San Francisco, listen. Brock Purdy's not good enough to overcome turnovers. I still think it's the best roster in the sport. It's just that their hole, unlike like the Chiefs receiver hole or maybe the Eagles secondary hole, their hole is the quarterback when he's trailing. When Brock Purdy trails in the second half, he's got a passer raising in the mid-60s. That's just who he is. I still think the roster's unbelievable. Number one. Uh, Baltimore. I've been high on them all year. I had them one for about an hour. They lost a game. I think the physicality, Lamar Jackson. You know what cracks me up about Lamar Jackson? All this Tua MVP, Dak MVP, Purdy MVP. Do you think those guys would face the Niners in Santa Clara and easily be the best player and athlete on the field? Lamar's unbelievable. Physicality. They don't have their star tight end. They have a rookie receiver who had the drops. They're on their third string running back. I think their culture, their coach, their defense, their quarterback, their toughness, Baltimore number one. So as I said, to start this, it is one of the stranger uh, herd hierarchies. I am much higher on Buffalo because I think they are what I've been waiting for for years. Formidable O-line, not Josh Allen dependent. I know y'all love Miami. It's their first win against a winning team in a game in which officiating was not great, not using it as an excuse. I do think without Tyron Smith, their defensive line looked like they were world beaters. Vic Fangio gets credit for that. But I'm buying the Bills. I still think they beat Miami. Why? Because every time they face Miami, Josh Allen goes off. With that, Nick Wright joins us. I acknowledge... It's a weird herd hierarchy. I don't. You're out of your mind. Well, I, I, I don't. You're think, out of your mind. Okay, go ahead. Out of my mind. Go ahead. The, all right, listen. Uh, I'm not, and I'm not arguing with you about the Chiefs. The Chiefs deserve to be. They're lucky to be in the top ten after that performance offensively. So I'm not. I'm not here to argue with you about the Chiefs. We'll see if they can fix it come the postseason. But your Eagles and Bills faith <laughs> is baffling, Colin. I understand it was a holiday weekend. But did you miss the game Buffalo played this weekend? (laughs) They needed a field goal at the gun to avoid losing to Easton Easton Stick, pardon me, and Giff Smith. 
They were 14-point favorites trailing yeah. with a minute left. That team you think is peaking right now? That team is peaking. That, that Buffalo Bills team, they just played terribly on Saturday against a team that had just fired its coach and whose quarterback, who's the one redeeming quality about the team, everyone says, wasn't playing. Why did the Bills earn more of your trust? Then we can do the Eagles. Okay, the reason is, is because despite that, off a huge win, they won. And it's a situational league. And you see these Raiders did it yesterday. Backup quarterback, can't complete a pass, interim coach. Week to week, you don't know what's coming out of that locker room. The Raiders look like a Super Bowl team. The Chargers played their butt off. It's situational. Bills have come off a big win. The world loves them. They traveled 3,000 miles, played like crud, and they won. And in this league, that means something to me. Okay, so that's – listen, I, I agree to a degree with that. I think three is a touch rich. Now to Philadelphia, which I guess you can make a similar argument. They found a way to win. Colin, Philadelphia has looked bad for a month. They, uh, again, another double-digit favorite whose game comes down to the wire. They can't stop anyone through the air. Their quarterback is not healthy and is not playing great. And everyone on the team keeps telling you something's wrong. (laughs) Sirianni fires a DC. Jalen Hurts says people need to be committed. Devontae Smith says we're not playing well. Those are all things that have happened in the last month. So, like, I think Philly right now is super vulnerable. And... I think that if if in the first round of the playoffs the Rams were to play the Eagles, I like the Rams. I think if Philly ended up losing the division to Dallas and they had to go to Tampa, I would like your guy Baker Mayfield and that Bucks team. I think this Philly team is ripe for the picking, and their their own players and coaches have been telling us that for a month and a half now. Okay. So I, I said this earlier. Just, <laughs> I said this earlier. If you were a scout – and the head of scouting says, I want you to go out. You're a, a pre-scout. And watch. You'd never seen him. This Brock Purdy guy, they're saying MVP and Lamar Jackson guy. And come back and give me a report. Your report would be, yeah, the Purdy guy may have been a fill-in. I, I don't see it. And the Lamar Jackson thing would have been a, yeah, I think he's running at half speed. And he's still faster than all the Boses and all the Fred Warners. And I've never quite seen anything quite like him. Can we at least acknowledge when you watch Lamar on a field with other great athletes, it doesn't it, – you know what it looks like? A Division I football player in high school playing with other non-Division I players. And Brock Purdy looks like a guy. Yeah. Right? That's what you saw, right? Yeah. I, I, don't think, I don't think you'd have to be a pre-scout or a scout. <laughs> I think you actually wouldn't even have to know the rules of football. I think it could be your first time ever experiencing the sport. And we're like, hey, the guys, I don't even need to tell you the position, but the guy who gets the ball on every play, give me your read on each of them. And then I'm going to tell you something you won't believe, which is that the people who are paid to talk about the sport for four months have sworn one guy is the league's most valuable player, and it's not the guy you're thinking. Yeah. I mean, this is, listen, Lamar was sensational. Lamar's been better than his numbers suggest this season. And there is all of a sudden a very sneaky pressure on Baltimore 
to make the Super Bowl because the Chiefs look ripe for the picking. Miami does have issues with good teams. Baltimore's going to have the one seed, and Lamar's playing out of his mind. So all of a sudden, if Lamar and the Ravens fall flat in the postseason again, it's almost worse than if he didn't play so well this year. But the story out of last night is the Niners, and it is their quarterback. And it is baffling to me that otherwise smart people saw Brock Purdy, and instead of seeing what I see, which is the weak link on the team, they saw the league's most valuable player. Of the 15 Niners that matter, if they don't win, it will be because Brock Purdy is the reason why. Everyone else in the MVP discussion, including his own teammate, when we talk about them, we're like, he will. He is the reason that team is great, or one of the bus drivers, to use the Barkley term. With Purdy, and this is why I was not moved, every time the Niners got up 14-0 and then Purdy had a 140 passer rating with 300 yards, everyone would come to me and be like, oh, you ready to admit it? Has he shown you enough? And my answer was always, no, that's not my concern. My concern is not, can he look great when things are going great? My concern with him is two things. One is, if any of the Avengers are out, Trent Williams, C-Mac, Debo, any of them, if any of them are out, will he melt? And if all of a sudden the Kyle Shanahan game script gets off course and we need you to make some plays, can you? And I would one last thing, Colin, I would encourage anyone who claims, oh, Shanahan trusts him. Shanahan loves him. Watch the pass plays they called down 21 to Baltimore. Not a lot of deep downfield routes, a lot of screens, a lot of dump-offs. Not exactly the game plan you do if you really trust your quarterback. But, I mean, I feel like everybody knows it, and folks were just pretending to think Brock Purdy should be the NFL's most valuable player. So we're watching the stitching come loose on the Chiefs, arguments on the sideline, altercations. Could I not argue this version of them has become a little like Buffalo in previous years? Hey, Josh Allen, save us. It's a bad receiving group. Travis Kelsey's limping in virtually every game. I don't think, as Greg Cosell said, he trusts his tackles. They're a little beat up on defense. It's one of the great things about this Chiefs dynasty is As great as Michael Jordan was for the Bulls, he only needed him to be crazy three times a game. Mahomes only had to go sidearm and make a big play three to four times a game. But the components around him were excellent. This feels a little like the Buffalo team you've rolled your eyes at where Mahomes is being asked on the fly to solve all the issues, and he can't. It's just not that good enough. There's spots on this team on offense that aren't very good. Is that fair? no, the last part's definitely fair. And saying, listen, we I've to keep the Buffalo comp going, people have often said Josh Allen is the modern day Brett Favre. And I've said, yes, absolutely. As you know, if you remove from Favre the league MVPs, the championships, and the Super Bowl appearances, they're just alike, except for the fact that's what made Favre Favre. Yeah, the Chiefs are like the Bills if the Bills had a pedigree of winning with this coach quarterback. But the Chiefs, of course, have that, and the Bills do not. So that is the reason that if there is is any reason to believe the Chiefs can pull out of this, it is because Mahomes, Reed, and Kelsey have been there before. Now, 
They look disorganized on offense. They look uninspired on offense. They they are absolutely having a hard time just getting plays in. They have all the benchmarks of a team that is going to have a very short playoff life. We heard Tony Romo say repeatedly for the first time in the Mahomes era, the Chiefs are going to have to go on the road in the postseason. I think some people might have heard that and been like, no, they're not. Because in order to go on the road, they're going to have to win a postseason game. (laughs) And the team that showed up yesterday doesn't look like a team that will win a postseason game. The reason I think it would be insane to write them off is in the midst of all of this, they have had now for 15 weeks a top four defense in football. And you do think that at some point, Mahomes will be able to put the cape on like he did in the Patriot game and at other times. But, yes, the Chiefs' path right now is very simple. The defense keep it up and Mahomes be the best player in the world by a mile. That is a big ask, and right now no one on the Chiefs' offense is up to it. I said this earlier, finally with the Cowboys, that Jerry's a great salesman. He may not have a good BS radar because Mike McCarthy said when he got the job is, I watched all your plays. And then he later admitted I didn't. And then he said I lied about it. Yeah. Yeah. And then before the season, uh, we're moving off Kellen Moore. We're going to be a physical run team. No, you're not. You go on the road, you're just stack reliant. Is that McCarthy just wanted Kellen Moore. He wanted him out of the building. That's what he wanted. He saw him as a threat. I watched Dallas. They're totally Dak reliant, which when you don't have a number one running back and you go on the road against teams that can score, you lose a lot of those games. By the way, that, ex- that explains Philadelphia, the Rams, Detroit, Tampa, sure. those kind of teams that you have to get into a, a shootout. Well, they don't run the ball. They're totally Dak reliant. Yeah. It was just a, it was a comment by Mike McCarthy to keep a job, retain power. And I, I, I'm a sucker. I got reeled in. I bit the bait. And it's well, like they're just the Cowboys again. I mean, I think that they are better than the Cowboys teams in recent years. I think that, you know, if and I know this is how football works. But if they don't fumble on a fullback handoff on the opening drive of the game, I think they win, and we're sitting here saying they're fine. Here's what I will say, and this is partially my take and partially Nora Princiati of The Ringer first mentioned this, and I haven't been able to get the idea out of my head. Uh, The best thing for the Cowboys, obviously, is to reach the Super Bowl for the first time in 30 years, right? We are nearly 30 years. We all agree that's what their goal is. Here's my question, Colin. Is the second best thing for them to go on the road to Tampa in week one of the playoffs as a wild card team and lose and have and have Jerry Jones say, you know what? Yeah. Three straight 12 win seasons, yeah. three straight disappointing playoff performances. Something's got to change. And here is the, here's where the Nora Princiati part comes in. Uh, if Mike McCarthy were to get fired, do the Dallas Cowboys become the number one landing spot for Bill Belichick? Is that, is, is that a marriage that you could see actually <laughs> happening? Bill going for the Shula's record. Jerry recognizing this is a short-term thing like it was with Jimmy. Bill knowing he has the quarterback. All of those things. Like, is that and Jerry wanting to spend the money the way maybe the Chargers wouldn't? Is that at least on the board of possibilities? Yeah. Is Bill Belichick, head coach of the Dallas Cowboys, one of them? Yes. Yeah, no, I think that's – I don't think he wants to go all west. Uh, and I, I still don't think yeah. the Chargers would go all in on Bill running everything. That's interesting to me, and I do buy it. 
Yeah, I think so. I think their Cowboys goal win the Super Bowl. Goal number two, if you don't get goal number one, have such an embarrassing playoff defeat that you fire McCarthy. These seem to be di- the worst thing for them is like win round one and lose to the Niners in round two by a field goal and just run it all back again. That's that's the worst case scenario for them. By the way, a Nick Wright who's on TV more than yeah. Susan Lucci in the '90s. Oh. He's got more commercials. Oh it's uh, and you look great. I by the way, I knew you were gonna say I mean, this. Honestly, I, can, I, I can't, knew you were gonna say you're this. You're like Ryan Colin, Seacrest. I, I can't get you I, out of okay. my life. It's this just... guy for four <laughs> years, I had to watch Colin Cowherd walk into a dry cleaner and be like, "Here's the thing about quarterbacks: they get the ball <laughs> at nine. And I was just happy for you. I watched that thing in my sleep. I'm just happy for you. I get my first ever commercial for two weeks. Now, it's good timing with the Christmas games and stuff. Just be happy for me. That's all. All right. I'm, you know, kind of. A little resentful, but little. Yeah, tiny, I know. small. <laughs> I get it. I get it. Little, I'll see you later. Little petty. Uh, funny, funny commercial, by the way. Uh, all right. We got a lot of stuff here. It, it is interesting that, that you know, I mean, NFL is a powerful business, and I'm watching the Cowboys, and, and they don't fumble. And, and I mean, I, I really do. When I do a hurt hierarchy, it's not standings. Neutral field, Dallas, they win the game. I think if they played again, they'd win. But I will say, Bradley Chubb looked like LT without Tyron Smith at left tackle. Like, Dallas is not the same team. Tyron Smith and Trent Williams in the last 10 years, best left tackles. That's arguably the second most important position in in football. If you miss your quarterback for a game, you're like, oh, we're not the same team. If you're missing a great left tackle, Niners don't win when Trent Williams is hurt. The Cowboys don't play well when uh, 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 Tyron Smith is out. It's just the, Baltimore's not the same usually when Ronnie Stanley's out. Like it's a, it's the most important position outside of quarterback. It's worth a point. Uh, and I thought I thought the minute he didn't play, I'm like, all right, here we go. Here we go. Not going to be the same. I have a great parlay for you this weekend. Thanks to DraftKings Sportsbook. New users use the code HERD, H-E-R-D. That's me. When you download the app, takes about a minute. Now for my parlay pick of the week via DraftKings Sportsbook. Cowboys at home, minus six against Detroit. I like Detroit, but they're hot and cold. Never as good on the road. Cowboys have to get good and get right. I'll take them to win by a touchdown. Steelers, plus three and a half at Seattle. Let's be honest about the Seahawks. They've been outplayed and won the last two weeks. I'll take the hook at three and a half Pittsburgh. Broncos, minus five, hosting the Chargers. Listen, it's the season. Russell Wilson may get moved out of town if he plays poorly again. I get a coaching and a quarterback edge at home, Broncos minus five. If you want to take the herd parlay, check out DraftKings Sportsbook. New users, the code is herd when you download the app. 21 plus in most eligible states, but age varies by jurisdiction. Eligibility restrictions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. See show notes for full details. Be sure to catch live editions of The Herd weekdays at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio, FS1, and the iHeartRadio app. Good song. The Johnny Carson theme, right? Hey, who wrote that? Skip, who do you think? It's your buddy. Hi, everyone. I'm Paul Anka. And I'm Skip Bronson. 
And what happens when two old friends take their decades of experience in the business and entertainment worlds and sit down with our buddies? You get our way, a brand new show from My Heart Podcast, where we chop it up with our pals about everything under the sun. Hear about Michael Bublé's entrance into show business. And get business insight from Mark Burnett. Find out what scares my son-in-law, Jason Bateman. And discover the bragging rights that come with beating Michael Jordan at golf. Together, we know just about everything everybody, including sitting presidents. So join us as we ask the questions they've not been asked before, tell it like it is, and even sing a song or two. This is our podcast, and we're going to do it our way. Listen to Our Way on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The second season of El Flow is here. Available como a ti te guste, in both English and Spanish. This season, we dive deeper into the vibrant world of reggaeton, featuring interviews with both reggaeton legends and exciting new talents. He's the undisputed king of reggaeton, no doubt. And he's been cited as an inspiration by multiple Latin stars, including... J Balvin, Bad Bunny, Osuna, Anti Natasha. Explore the evolution of this dynamic genre and what makes it resonate globally. How you consume reggaeton, how you share and distribute reggaeton, those are all an important part of the story. It's the way that the people are experiencing reggaeton along with the musicians. Listen to El Flow as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network. Available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including actress and star of the mega hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox. You can't go around it, so you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. Comedian, writer, and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end. And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. Thanks for listening to the Herd Podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday on Fox Sports Radio at noon to 3 Eastern, 9 a.m. to noon Pacific. Find your local station for the Herd at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching Fox Sports Radio or FSR. Now let's get this party started. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. Oh, do we got a show today? It's Wednesday. We're live in Los Angeles. It's the Herd. Wherever you may be and however you may be listening, thanks for making us part of your day. I don't know what happened. Maybe it was a good night's sleep. I got things to talk about today and strong opinions on them. I will end the Lamar Jackson's MVP debate here in 90 seconds. Uh, this, the attention-seeking, validation-seeking Miami Dolphins, I hear you. I'll talk about that. J-Mac. <laughs> There are days, it's sleep, 
got up, fired up. I'm sitting there five in the morning. I got things I got to get out today, and they all crystallized. This morning at about 5 a.m. Wow, the takes are just firing. 5 a.m., I was at LAX airport this morning, early, very early. So, little groggy, you may have to carry the show today, big guy. <laughs> so, there was a big discussion, a back and forth, a tay-to-tay, if you will, about Lamar Jackson to a Dak Brock Purdy as MVP. I thought Lamar Jackson put it to bed against the Niners, but I want to talk about this. And I don't think I'm necessarily talking to fans. Maybe I'm talking to a niche audience. They're called the media. But I hope this resonates a little. Probably won't. They're dug in. They have their opinions. But MVP is not about stats, singularly. I want you to remember the words impact and influence. Impact and influence. Lamar Jackson is easily the most influential NFL player this season. Ask the Bosas. Ask people who have chased him around the field. Ask Fred Warner, who was neutralized for the first time this season. I'll give you Aaron Donald. Offensive linemen are terrified for 10 years of Aaron Donald of the Rams. Terrified of him. He is never singularly blocked. Double teamed on every snap. Even today often triple teamed. So his stats have to be contextualized. He's not an edge rusher who occasionally gets chip blocked. Interior lineman scared of Aaron Donald. How many sacks has Aaron Donald all these years gotten players on his offensive line? Vaughn Miller sure seemed better as a Ram briefly as a Bill, didn't he? The Rams have two rookie defensive linemen, third rounders, not first or second. They're having really good years because of Aaron Donald. Aaron Donald is the most impactful defensive player for over a decade. People are scared to block him. Everything starts with double teams. There's video on the internet of triple teams. And that's Lamar Jackson. You ever notice the Ravens running game is always good? What are they on? They're 13th running back this season. They're 28th in the last four years. But it's always good. Why is that? Because the threat of Lamar Jackson on that handoff, keeping the ball, paralyzes defense. Linebackers get humiliated by him. Years ago, Chris Spielman, a friend, a broadcaster, a former NFL great, told me when Barry Sanders broke into the Lions, Chris Spielman, who's one of the most dominating college linebackers I've ever seen, maybe the best college linebacker ever, said he would watch Barry Sanders, a rookie in line, and count. Oh, do I have to do I have to go up against Barry Sanders? And Chris said, he would humiliate you. Pro athletes have egos. They don't want to be humiliated. Lamar humiliates you. Aaron Donald humiliates you. That's impact. The Ravens are the number one rushing team in the league this year. Ask the Niners. And it's not because of Gus Edwards. They've missed key offensive linemen. They're on their third running back. The Ravens are always perpetually on their third running back. I looked up stats this morning, and it's remarkable. Speaking of the words, I just simply asked you to consider as a media member. Influence and impact. Lamar Jackson's impact on the Ravens since 2019. When he plays, they win 52 of 72 games, and they average 28 points. In the AFC... In that division, with the Steelers' defense, 
the Browns defense, pretty good defensive players. Miles Garrett's been around a while. T.J. Watt been around a while. Averages 28 a game. When he does not play, they're a BB gun. 17 points a game and a losing franchise, 4-9. and nine. I'll remind you, Dak Prescott and the Cowboys, Dak got hurt. They went 5-1 and one with Cooper Rush. 4-1, and 5-1. and one. They won. That's not how it works in Baltimore. Tua, one win this year against a winning team. Nine of Lamar's 11 wins are against winning teams. Brock Purdy, let me, let me use the word influence again. Jimmy Garoppolo got to a Super Bowl, and Brock Purdy got to an NFC championship. The influence in San Francisco, bruh, it's the coach, not the quarterback. Stop telling me about stats. Lamar's are good, but it's his impact and his influence and the fact that he paralyzes Fred Warner. Great linebackers are neutralized. Fred Warner dominates games every Sunday. One of the best linebackers I've ever seen. Erlacher, Ray Lewis, Fred Warner. He plays Lamar. He looked kind of pedestrian. That's what great does. That's what LeBron does to KD. It's what Michael Jordan did to great players. They looked average. MVP stats and production need to be considered. But influence and impact are even more important. And the Ravens collapse without. Collapse with John Harbaugh as a coach. With good defenses, excellent front offices, great ownership, they collapse without Lamar. The Cowboys win with Cooper Rush. Niners, Garoppolo Purdy, and win games. I'm not anti-anybody, but I am pro-Lamar Jackson. Watch the games. All those Hall of Famers on the field. Lamar was easily the most impactful player. Easily. Here's his star linebacker who faces him every day at practice. If anybody watched the game, if anybody watched football this season and watched the Baltimore Ravens, they know for a fact Lamar Jackson is the uh, MVP hands down. If anyone that watches football and know football and see the type of impact he has on the game, not even like stat-wise, but just individually, like the plays that he makes quarter in and quarter out, play in and play out, Compare his film to anyone else in the league, and then I would love to uh, hear what anyone else has to say after that. Thank you. I want to talk about the Miami Dolphins. Apparently, they're very upset in South Beach. I have not given them the, the respect they deserve. So I was thinking about this. Let's, um, let's take a profession. We were talking about media. Let's say sports writer. And let's say for 23 years you were a sports writer. Not necessarily terrible, but average. Didn't win a lot of awards. Nobody really talked about you, feared you. And then one week you write a really good column. Finally. And you demand to be respected for that column. That's the Miami Dolphins. 23 years is the last time you won a playoff game. 23 years of nothing remarkable. 
This past weekend, you didn't win a Pulitzer, i.e. a Super Bowl. You didn't even win an award, i.e. a playoff game. You beat a Dallas team that's talented, but strangely bad on the road. Your super high-powered offense, which you're so proud of. Um, let me see here. Generated a single touchdown. And if not for a bad exchange at the goal line, Cowboys go up 14-3 and probably win the game. Miami is constantly seeking validation and respect. Let's give us some credit, Colin. That's Visa, MasterCard. It's not my job to give you respect. It's my job to be honest. You have a singular playoff win in 23 years. One. You beat Dallas at home. And I do like your physicality. That part of Miami, a lot of Miami teams are just flashy. Bradley Chubb, Wilkins on the inside. You're physical. I like that. Vic Fangio. But you haven't won a division since 2008. A division! And that was because Tom Brady got hurt or he would have won it again. You have, according to percentages, this is not my opinion, you have played the easiest schedule in the league. And you finally beat a team with a winning record at home and you want everybody to do backflips. I like your hipster coach too. And you have really fast receivers. And I do think your physicality is finally legit. But um, even in your own division, which Josh Allen has owned since year two of his career. I looked this morning. The last nine times you've faced Buffalo, you're one and eight. So you can't control your division. You can't win playoff games. You've been really unremarkable for 23 years, but you wrote a really good column, and you need to be respected. How about a attaboy and we move on? Attaboy, good column. You're paid to do that. Let's move on. It's okay. I like Miami. Two is a great kid. Minds me of Dak. Don't love him as an A-plus quarterback, but a leader, can throw the ball accurately, humble, good kid. The hipster head coach, I like him too. Super smart, clever, creative, a lot of motion. Very Sean McVay, Kyle Shanahan-ish. You have some really nice players. Jalen Ramsey, Bradley Chubb, Wilkins on the defensive interior. I mean, Tyreek Hill's crazy good. Jalen Waddle's a bit inconsistent, fast, but uh, I like him too. O-line's a bit of a mess, but Austin Jackson's always had talent, the USC kid. Vic Fangio, Mike McDaniel, good combo. You're going to win a playoff game. But uh, one in eight last night against Buffalo. No playoff wins in 23 years. Mike McDaniel against winning teams is one in three. Minus 47 point differential. And he's crushed bad teams. Sunday was a attaboy and nothing more. No credit given, that's Visa. No validation, look elsewhere. You still make the herd hierarchy, but if you played Dallas again, I'd take Dallas, and Vegas probably would too. And that's okay. But if you haven't done anything remarkable in two and a half decades, I'm not doing backflips. I told you, Jay Mack, I had a lot to get off my chest. <laughs> wow. So I did look up those uh, Miami Dolphins games the, the, versus the winning teams. So they lost in Buffalo. No harm in that. Early in the season, Buffalo was good. Uh, they lost to Philadelphia. No harm in that. Philly was good earlier this season. You mean the team you've been bad-mouthing for three months? It, it, well, two months. And, and then they lost to Kansas <laughs> City, I believe, in the Germany game, which was a final possession game. Mm. Those are respectable losses, Mr. Cowherd. Listen. If you think uh, your take on Miami was hot, 
Yep, yep. I, I see you finally see it. I, I just saw the news. Breaking news. Yeah. Can we do the red bar? Yeah, put it up. Uh, guys in the back who do the red bar. Yeah. <laughs> Russell Wilson has been benched for the final two years of the season. Two games. Two games. Two games. But. It, Russell it, Wilson has been benched. It, some of the guys have looked at It's over for him in Denver. Financially, we could talk about it next segment. They're doing this so he doesn't get injured. Oh. <laughs> We have a topic. Be sure to catch live editions of The Herd weekdays at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio, FS1, and the iHeartRadio app. Hi, this is Jay Glazer, and you may know me from the world of football or fighting or even shows like HBO's Ballers. What you don't know is for my entire life, I have lived in something I refer to as the gray. Depression, anxiety. So now I'm coming out with a new podcast. Unbreakable, a mental health podcast with Jay Glazer, where each week, while we talk about mental health, I hope to describe it. Give it words. Listen to Unbreakable with Jay Glazer on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Good song. The Johnny Carson theme, right? Hey, who wrote that? Skip, who do you think? It's your buddy. Hi, everyone. I'm Paul Anka. And I'm Skip Bronson. And what happens when two old friends take their decades of experience in the business and entertainment worlds and sit down with our buddies? You get Our Way, a brand new show from My Heart Podcast, where we chop it up with our pals about everything under the sun. Hear about Michael Bublé's entrance into show business. And get business insight from Mark Burnett. Find out what scares my son-in-law, Jason Bateman. And discover the bragging rights that come with beating Michael Jordan at golf. Together, we know just about everything everybody including sitting presidents so join us as we ask the questions they've not been asked before tell it like it is and even sing a song or two this is our podcast and we're going to do it our way listen to our way on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts the second season of el flow is here Available como a ti te guste, in both English and Spanish. This season, we dive deeper into the vibrant world of reggaeton, featuring interviews with both reggaeton legends and exciting new talents. He's the undisputed king of reggaeton, no doubt. And he's been cited as an inspiration by multiple Latin stars, including... J Balvin, Bad Bunny, Osuna, Anthony Natasha. Explore the evolution of this dynamic genre and what makes it resonate globally. How you consume reggaeton, how you share and distribute reggaeton, those are all an important part of the story. It's the way that the people are experiencing reggaeton along with the musicians. Listen to El Flow as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network. Available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver. 
And this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including actress and star of the mega hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox. You can't go around it, so you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. Comedian, writer, and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end. And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. Welcome back. Breaking news. Sean Payton takes over the Denver Broncos, fixes Russell Wilson about as much as you can fix him. You got about 80% of Russell in Seattle. He has now been benched. Russell Wilson for the final two games. Why? Here's why. So he's already got $39 million guaranteed for next year on the books. He would get an additional $37 million, Russell would, if he can't pass a physical in early March. So they're taking him out of games. They're going to play Jarrett Stidham. And by the way, we thought they overpaid when Sean Payton got there for Jarrett Stidham. We couldn't figure out why are you paying a backup so much? Because Sean Payton knew very early this was a weird fit. It's a personality clash. One guy is intense, confrontational, outspoken. Another is highly uber optimistic, which has turned lots of teammates off through the years. They think it's phony and cringy. I'm not making those judgments. I'm just saying I know both the coach really well. He's an authentic, straight shooter, lots of opinions. He's going to tell you what he thinks. Russell tends to be more laid back in that, in that space, kind of every, everything's going to be okay, positive outlook, a little bit of Kirk Cousins. And, uh, you know, for a lot of teammates, they don't like it. So one of the things uh, I have noticed in this relationship, number one, the signing of Stidham was to me bizarre. But that told me Sean Payton had seen enough, discussed enough, and knew this was a problematic relationship. The second thing is, when I watch Denver games, and I really noticed it in the last couple of weeks as Russell Wilson has struggled. Russell's smaller. Tua has acknowledged, honestly, he at times has trouble seeing over the offensive line. Kyler Murray's greatest success is often moving outside of the pocket. Russell Wilson's career is highlighted by rainbow throws up the sideline, and moving around a lot and making plays out of the pocket. But if you watch Russell Wilson in the pocket, it is something I would argue that he struggles to see downfield between the hash marks. I saw it again this weekend. Denver's got very few 20, 25-yard completions, and they have Cortland Sutton, and they have Jerry Judy. Those are fast guys that can get open. They have very few middle-of-the-field completions. It's sideline stuff, Russell escaping the pocket and going it deep, and the Bradys and the Mannings and the Big Bens and the great ones live in the middle of the field. Eat it alive. Mahomes eats it alive. Russell sometimes can't see the field. Greg Cosell, 44 years NFL Films, pointed this out on our show a couple of weeks ago. 
the Sean Payton's of the world, as you well know, they spend a lot of time putting together their offense, their game plan, the structure of what they want to do, the route concepts, the route combinations. So they expect those things to be executed on Sundays. Russell Wilson does not execute the, those at a high enough percentage, but he's an eyedropper. He looks at the rush, and the result of that is that he doesn't see throws that need to be made, so he leaves throws on the field. So, again, I'm not breaking down film, but after Greg said that, I've been watching Russell and Denver's offense a lot regarding that testimony, that opinion, and it's true. There are open plays down the middle of the field, and I just don't think he sees them. If he was 6'5", I'd be concerned that he's afraid to get hit. At his size, some of it's the average offensive lineman, 6'6". Six, six. Tackle 6'7". Six, some of it's that. Tua has acknowledged sometimes I struggle seeing down the field. That's why in Miami's offense, get rid of the ball quickly, off into the flat, quick completions, don't have to sit in a muddy pocket. So um, it, now the question becomes, where does Russell go? Because clearly Denver's going to move off Russ. Uh, my take is keep your eye on Tennessee and Washington. So, um, you know, remember, first-round quarterbacks are less than a 50-50 hit rate. First round. And, uh, you know, you have a new owner in Washington. Uh, Russell Wilson's from around that area. Uh, He would be the best quarterback they've had in a while. He's a, a dynamic playmaker. Uh, money's not going to be a problem. They already have, a, I think Washington's got a very interesting roster. Tennessee's another place. Are they going to depend on Will Levis? As good as Mike Vrabel is, does he want to keep losing? Look at the AFC. Come on, Will Levis. I mean, I'm not saying Will Levis can't become something. He certainly could. But I think Washington and Tennessee are places to look at. Now, Atlanta and Minnesota have offensive coaches. I think they'd push back on Russell. Offensive coaches talk amongst themselves. There's a different code and language and secrets among offensive coaches. I think a Kevin O'Connell would talk to McVay and McVay would say, no, it doesn't work for you. I think offensive coaches have a greater sense of it. Defensive coaches don't know offense. So a playmaker at offense, upgrade over Will Levis, upgrade over Sam Howell. In their eyes, defensive coaches, Pittsburgh look at it and go, okay, he's a star. I think defensive coaches see the world differently. But, um, you know, Pete Carroll, by the way, got frustrated with it. And now Sean Payton is like, I'm out. So in two years, Pete Carroll and Sean Payton, you know, these are Super Bowl winning coaches have said, yeah, this doesn't work. So we have to be honest about that. Even though I like Russ, even though I know Russ, even though I think he's a good guy, you got to be honest about it. If two really good bosses in my industry over the course of a couple of years said that guy doesn't work. I'd be in trouble, right? So there's there's something here. Um, I think there's going to be a market for him. But he is expensive. I do think Sean got a lot out of him. I said this a couple of weeks ago. He's regressed. But I think a couple of weeks ago, I felt like you were getting about 80% of the Seattle Russell Wilson. Uh, and that Russell Wilson, Pete Carroll said, I'm done with. Some of that's probably cost. But I think there's a market somewhere. Be sure to catch live editions of The Herd weekdays at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. Well, he was on the air when the story broke. Mark Schlereth, former Bronco, great, three rings, multiple Pro Bowls, five years playing with John Elway. All right, let's start. You're on the air, end of the show, I imagine. The story breaks. What were you saying two minutes before the story broke, Russell Wilson's being benched? 
<laughs> two minutes before, I was like, based on the contract situation and based on the production versus what he costs, there is no way you can go forward with Russell Wilson being your quarterback next year. And so it was interesting because obviously you can sit there and talk about all the things he has done and all the things he's done in the past. But right now, what you're paying him versus the production that you're getting, those two things don't match up. They don't align. So um, it just was one of those situations where we were talking about moving on from Russell Wilson and next year uh, starting over again. So interestingly enough, and the news breaks and, and you know, that's one of those things as you and I talk about uh, – Man, that's manna from heaven right there. That's that's radio gold. Okay, so we've seen a couple different times Peyton has indicated, hey, maybe I have to simplify the game plan. Maybe I and what it's telling me is is that Russell's not delivering on things Sean's preparing for. That's what that's telling me. Am I wrong? You played this sport at a high level. When he says that stuff, we gotta simplify it. What's Sean saying? What was he saying there? that we can't execute the offense. We cannot execute the structure of the offense as it's intended to be executed. Therefore, we have to simplify things. We have to throw the screen passes. We have to throw the bubble screens. We can't get the intermediate routes developed. When you look at Russell Wilson, there are very few things right now that he's doing exceptionally well. And the other problem that you get into is oftentimes – Russell pursue, uh, perceives pressure and and he's constantly escaping out of the back of the the, uh, the pocket. Therefore, he's creating pressures. He's creating sacks. He's creating missed opportunities. Um, I always talk about the anticipatory nature of throwing the football into windows. And we've seen this a lot with Tua, how he'll throw the ball and it'll look like he's throwing it right to a safety. All of a sudden, a wide receiver comes into the screen and snatches the ball out of the air. Those are things you don't see in the Denver Broncos offense. You see the design of those things, and you see receivers coming open into those windows, but he doesn't anticipate those windows opening, and he'll just take off and run and try to scramble around and make a play. And so I can see and feel the frustration of Sean Payton, who wants to orchestrate an offense, and a quarterback who can't actually orchestrate the offense that he wants to 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 basically implement. So those are the things that are going on here. And just based on the lack of production and lack of offensive uh, proficiency, I understand why they did it. Um, Jarrett Stidham signed in the offseason. At the time, I thought, that's a lot of money for a backup. Do you think Peyton um, forecasted, looked at tape, saw some potential difficulties throwing between the hash marks. What did you make of Stidham as a signing? Because it was a little bit of a warning flag for some of us that saw it happen. Yeah, I think that you look at, I mean, you look at Stidham and, and he had the one game against the 49ers when he played for the Raiders last year that he really put uh, some big time offensive numbers up. And, and so I think there is that, that warning sign that, Hey man, Here's a guy that I think I can develop into, you know, into a, a, a player or a quarterback who can operate my offense. And honestly, that's what, you know, Sean wants. He wants that ability to, to throw the ball in those intermediate windows, to throw the deep in cutting routes and things of that nature that Russell truly has never, he's never been great at. Um, and he certainly hasn't done that this year. So, yeah, I, I suppose it probably should have been somewhat of a warning flag, but you know, the, 
the the need and, and it's shown this year more than ever the need to have that number two quarterback that you can plug in there and he can get you through a game or two or three or four so yes yeah, Stidham is going to be the guy and we'll see exactly what he has the next two weeks um and you know and is that the decision you go moving forward into next season do you draft a guy try to develop a guy why Stidham takes over uh, as the kind of uh, the bridge quarterback, if you will. Now, I don't know if you have an answer here, but you know the inner workings of the Broncos as well as anybody certainly at this network. By getting rid of Russ, what you're saying is the GM currently who Sean didn't hire, you messed up. You gave up players. You gave up draft picks. It's not exactly a, a vote of confidence by Sean Payton toward the GM he inherited. You've got wealthy new ownership. Is there going to be a structural change at the top in your opinion? Yeah, it's a great question. And you're right. I don't know the answer to that. It just depends. I think one thing you see when Sean comes to, you know, to Denver, he takes over as the guy who's making the major decisions, right? He takes over and, and rubber stamps the, the players that you get in free agency. And so he's going to be in charge of all that stuff. So if the working relationship with George Payton is good, and George Payton historically has been a really good, if you look at his record in Minnesota, drafting guys in the second and third round that produce and become big-time players, that's kind of what he's been known for. So if that working relationship is great, Sean's going to have, you know, Sean's going to have the final approval and the decision-making process. So if the working relationship is great, I don't think you'll see a move. Now, if there's somebody in Sean's past that he really likes that, that he really connects with, then I could see that move being made. But as of right now, um, I don't know that there will be a move in the front office. Um, yeah. The whole thing's interesting. Do you think Russell has a market? No. <laughs> I mean, what, 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 like, what would the market be? I mean, certainly not at the, certainly not at the money that you're paying him right now. And, you know, ultimately he's older. Um, he still is, he still is athletic enough to move and to make plays, but ultimately there's a couple things you're doing right now as an offense, you're throwing, the, the bubble screens and the screen pass game, the swing pass game underneath. And then occasionally you're taking three or four shots down the football field per game, um, you know, on the play pass stuff where you've got seven, eight guys that are protecting and you're taking two man routes or three man routes down the football field. Those are the things you're doing right now where he makes the majority of the plays is off schedule plays where, where the majority of the problems show up are off scheduled plays where he takes five or six sacks a game because he decides that he he's not going to throw the ball or he sees a flash of color and thinks he's not protected and he creates issues that way. And, you know, I've said this before, I'll say it again. I said on my show this morning, uh, I have never one time walked into a huddle where the quarterback said broken play on broke, broken play on two, <laughs> broken play on two. Let's go, you know, break. <laughs> it's not how it works. And so you can't operate you know, you can't operate solely on, hey, let, let's let's throw a swing pass. And if that's not there or let's throw, you know, a, a two man route combination, if that's not there, just pull the ball, scramble around and make something happen. Um, that's not a sustainable form of offense. And, and I think that's where a lot of the frustration um, has come to a head for Sean Payton. 
Such a good job on this. Mark Schlereth's story broke on his radio show. He's got the Niners at the Commanders, a bounce-back spot for Brock Purdy, we imagine, we think, although Commanders can be feisty. West Coast team travel in East short week. Uh, Mark, as always, great. But well, we appreciate you stopping by late. You really added a dimension to our yeah. show, and I appreciate it. Not a problem, Colin. Take care, buddy. Uh, yep, yeah, he's got Niners, Commanders. Keep your eye on the Commanders being feisty this week. So... Are you stunned that he said, Russ, no market, Colin? I think I could see a defensive coach saying, just get me a veteran who doesn't turn it over a lot and all win games. I think offensive coaches will push back on Russ. When Sean Payton's like, not interested, it matters. Okay. Mike, Mike Tomlin, okay? I'm just hypothetical. We've seen Mason Rudolph. Trubisky ain't it. Kenny Pickett, eh. Why don't we, why don't we take a flyer on Russ? Let's see what we, we get for Russ, Russell Wilson. At the right price, you're telling me Russell Wilson's on an upgrade over all three of those guys in Pittsburgh? Yes, he is. But you, you, you'd you have to scale back in some of your defensive... Great! <laughs> the sooner the better, right? Yeah, I mean... I... Yeah, Pittsburgh's one of the ones I'd consider. They would have to move off Kenny Pickett. They are not prone to do that. Well, you're not moving off. You're, hey, Kenny, you want to win the job? Go go win the damn job. Battle Russ for it in the preseason. If you win it, it's yours. And we know he's not going to win it. No. I, I just, you know, Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh's different. You know, some cities are about tradition. And um, Pittsburgh's very much about loyalty and tradition. That's just, that's just how they run. I'm not criticizing Haven't we it. been over this? Loyalty's a little overrated Well, in no, 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 no. I like living in L.A. where Jared Goff gets to the Super Bowl and McVay's like, not good enough. California, Garoppolo, Super Bowl, not good enough. That's the California way. Production. Mm. We're all transplants. Loyal you, to what? High school? Nobody cares. Did you just come up with that? I like that. Well, no, I mean, Pittsburgh, when you go to a party in Pittsburgh, you talk about, hey, where'd you go to high school? In L.A., it's like, uh, where do you work? What do you do? Who's your agent? That's harsh. No, I mean, it's just the reality. You go to St. Louis. I had a buddy that worked in St. Louis. You go to a party. Where'd you go to high school? I've never once gone to a party in L.A. and anybody cared about high school or college. Who's your agent? What do you do? Where do you you live? What do you... What do you do for? What do you have against St. Louis? I got nothing against any of it. It's just there are certain markets that are very loyally loyalty based. St. Louis, Pittsburgh. You know, it's the middle of the country. Midwest loyalty matters. Those are good people. Yeah, I'm just saying Pittsburgh's very much about we take care of ours. What about the people out here? They take care of themselves. You know what they say about L.A. People that moved to L.A. thought they were too good for their hometown. <laughs> I always love that line. Um, so whatever. And I'm not criticizing any of them. This is an interesting riff. But I live in L.A. and I I'll t- and I prefer that over St. Louis. Nothing against Cardinal baseball. Ted Drews. Steak and potatoes. Nothing wrong with any Boy, of that. If you open the show with this one day, this take... They're coming for your neck. I mean, it's just yeah. like just hearing it. St. Louis people what? have to be just devastated. Lu- devastated by what? <laughs> that I'd rather live by the beach? <laughs> I like a- St. Louis. I've been there once. I have a relatives who live there. They, yeah. Mm. Uh, it's not a credit. It's not a, an indictment of sure. St. Louis. It's like the Dells and I Wisconsin. like the humidity in the summer. Many <laughs> don't. Thanks for listening to the Herd Podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday on Fox Sports Radio at noon to 3 Eastern, 9 a.m. to noon Pacific. Find your local station for the Herd at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching Fox Sports Radio or FSR. Well, Sean Payton 
didn't create this mess. He didn't give away two firsts and two seconds. He didn't give away three good players. He didn't write this contract. What's he supposed to do? Let it ride? Yeah. No, thanks. You inherit a mess. What do you do? You take over a business. You take over a show. You take over anything and it's a mess. You're going to let it ride faster? No. The contract stuff's ugly. There's so many things happening with contracts behind the scenes none of us really know about. That just got leaked by Russell's side. The truth is, the Denver O-line's probably the best Russell has ever had. It's ranked seventh by PFF. And he still takes too many sacks. And that was a huge issue in Seattle and Pete Carroll. They're only 16th in scoring with Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton, two backs I like, a top seven offensive line, and Sean Payton as a coach. Their offense scoring's behind Gardner Minshew, the Saints, the Reeling Jags. Sean Payton gave him a chance. It's not week three. It's week 17. It's not working. They're 26th in the league in deep passes with Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton. They don't throw the ball deep. They have no pop. Watch their games. Sean Payton did and just said, it's not good enough. And oh, by the way, patience is wildly overrated with quarterbacks. You can see great average and bad really quickly. Sometimes you get fooled after a year with a young quarterback, but you can mostly see it. And by the way, the Steelers have been patient. How's that working out for them? This is what offensive coaches do. Andy Reid moved off pro bowler playoff quarterback Alex Smith. Shanahan moved off Garoppolo, got him to a Super Bowl. McVay moved off Goff, got him to a Super Bowl. And Sean Payton's moving off of Russell Wilson, who's won a Super Bowl and been to two. This is what offensive coaches do. Do you know what defensive coaches do? Because offensive coaches, a good chef, can size up a kitchen very quickly. You've known a few, I've known a few. The good ones doesn't take very long. A top screenwriter can be two pages into a script. They know if it works or doesn't. Offensive coaches can see ceilings and limitations quickly. Sean Payton was patient here. It's week 17. Defensive coaches, you know, like the guy in Pittsburgh, who wins games, but it's, hey, I, I can win this way. Okay, he's not a great quarterback, but we'll just run the ball and limit turnovers. Hey, we don't need a star quarterback. You know, just, just play good, solid, sound defense. It's called 1987. It doesn't work anymore. You got to score points. And offensive head coaches, this is very on brand. Reed, McVay, Shanahan. Defensive coaches don't have a feel for it. The minute Josh McDaniels left, Mac Jones and Belichick was a tire fire. Brian Flores is a very good coach. He didn't think Tua could play. Mike McDaniels said, no, yeah, he can, and made him a pro bowler. Time and time again. People bail on Gardner Minshew. Shane Steichen's like, I think I can get close to the playoffs with him. The Jets' defensive culture didn't see any talent with Joe Flacco. Kevin Stefanski did. I've been watching this for years, talking about it longer. Offensive coaches move off Super Bowl quarterbacks. They see it, they feel it. They're a chef and they size up the kitchen. 
defensive coaches. Give me Geno Smith. I can hoist a trophy with that. No, he can't. No, he can't. Kenny Pickett's the answer. No, he's not. No, he's not. The reality is you're watching, I'm watching. It's week 17. It's not working. No deep ball. Getting sacked too much. The O-line's good. It really is. Seventh in the league. I think it's better than that. Maybe not Detroit. Maybe not Philadelphia, Dallas, but it's good. And you still get sacked. I'm not four against anybody, but I've seen it time and time again. This is very on-brand for the Reeds and the Paytons and the McVeighs and the Shanahans, guys that get to Super Bowl that no offense. They see it, they feel it. Defensive coaches are always too patient or just have no sense at all. They're tone deaf for offense. Sean Payton isn't tone deaf. Greg Cosell's telling us time and time again, the film says guys open, Russ can't see him. You think Greg Cosell's taking sides here? For years and years, Cosell has always struggled with Russell. Doesn't think he sees the field particularly well. Two is smaller, acknowledges sometimes you can't. Sean Payton on the move to bench Russ. We're desperately trying to win. And um, sure, in our, in our game today, there are economics and all those other things, but the number one push behind this, and, and it's a decision I'm making, is to you know, get a spark offensively. I can't replace the entire offensive line. I can't bring in five new receivers. And, and, it, and if it continues over a period of time, then there'll be another guy here talking to you as well. Reed moved off Alex Smith. You didn't know who Mahomes was. McVay moved off Goff, who's good. Shanahan moved off Garoppolo, Super Bowl. I'm going to trust Sean Payton here. It's what these offensive coaches do. It's what they do time and time again. The defensive coaches, they want to win with running the ball, limiting turnovers, and punch you in the mouth. Awesome. The guys hosting the, hoisting the trophies. Go look at the last... 12 of 14 teams in the playoffs right now, offensive coaches. They got a feel for it, and I'm going to trust them. All right, yesterday, this was hurtful. Tyreek Hill of the Dolphins called me on Twitter. Well, formerly Twitter. It's now called X. I don't go to it much anymore. He called me a thug. That's a first. I've been called a lot of names. Never been called that. I don't really respond to people who respond to my opinions. I tend to think... They attacked the messenger because my message hit a little too close to home. Miami, 23 years, no playoff wins. Last nine against the Bills, one and eight. And of the 14 current playoff teams, they have the lowest strength of victory. Fact, fact, fact. Check, check, check. It took until week 16 for them to get a win versus a team over 500. Not sorry for not coronating you. The truth is, I like Miami. I really do. I like their offensive-minded uh, coach. I like their defensive coordinator, Jalen Ramsey, Bradley Chubb, uh, Wilkins on the interior, Tyreek Hill's amazing, Jalen Waddle. I like Tua a lot. I think he's a really good guy. He's Dak, but a better, pure, softer thrower. A little smaller, better thrower. I like Miami a lot, but the media tends to love the hip young coaches. I get it. I'm okay with it. Yes, I was wrong. I predicted Dallas would win convincingly. Okay, but you know what really happened this weekend when Miami played Dallas? They beat themselves. That's what they did. 
lots of flash. A quarterback we like, Dak and Tua, don't love. Offensive coach, a top five receiver, Tyreek and C.D. Lamb. They score a lot of points. And for decades, they have disappointed if they ever get to the postseason. Miami and Dallas are both front runners. They're great at home, so-so on the road. Both are pit bulls on a beach ball. They clobber inferior teams. And both are flashy offensively with a pretty good pass rush at times. And, by the way, two great defensive coordinators. Miami beat themselves. And if I don't love the last 23 years of Miami and none of us love the last 23 years of Dallas, I'm not going to go overboard on the win. I've seen this act before. They've got a star on the helmet. You have a, you have a dolphin. That's what you did this weekend. You beat yourself. And, and by the way, yourself is pretty good. I like Miami. I thought I loved Dallas, and now I just like them too. Two teams I like played. I will say this about Tyreek Hill. I do love his game. All right, we got a lot to talk about. I don't want to go too heavy on the USC love, but that was pretty, pretty impressive, was it not? Yeah, did I give that out during the commercial break to you yesterday or was it on a live on air? Because I said USC getting the points. I don't believe I heard that. Okay, we did discuss it. It was seven, <laughs> remember I told you it was coming down. Well, I got a bull pick for you later on in the show. It's called a tease in this business. Okay. I like why it was fun to watch. Really? You, well, you were locked in on that? I watched huh? every snap. You it, know what I watched last night? What? Reacher. Have you seen the new season of that? Nope. Who's the star of that? I don't know the guy's name, but he's, I mean, it's awesome. It's like, you know, battling and fighting. It's and sort smarts. of a Keanu Reeves, Matt Damon, John, John Wick thing, kind of <laughs> Jason sorta. Bourne not, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really good. You'll love it. All right. Amazon, uh, Amazon Prime, I think. I'll try to work that in between the bowl games I watch. Thanks for listening to the Herd Podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday on Fox Sports Radio at noon to 3 Eastern, 9 a.m. to noon Pacific. Find your local station for the Herd at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching Fox Sports Radio or FSR. That's a hot one. Let's blaze it up. Fire it up. It's Collins blazing fire. Titans at Texans. I like the Texans minus four and a half. C.J. Stroud comes back. They're five and two in their last seven games at home. I like the coach. I like the quarterback. And C.J. Stroud at home has 109 passer rating this year. He's been like a pro bowl quarterback at home. There's no question his impact. He returns after a concussion. They're a different football team. 99 passer rating with him, 68 passer rating without him. And the Titans are 2-6 and six over their last eight. The O-line's bad. Six of their last eight games, they've been held under 20, and they're a bad road team. I like Texas to win by 10. Maybe I'm nuts. I know people love Rabel. So do I. 27-17 Texans. Raiders at Colts. I don't understand this line. I think the Colts should be favored by more. I'm going to take the Colts at home minus three and a half. Again, four and two over their last six games. And Minshew's been a very good home quarterback. At home this year, 10 touchdowns, three picks, and a 92 passer rating. Michael Pittman, good receivers coming back. He's returning to play. The Raiders are off a wildly emotional win over the Chiefs. They'll regress. Josh Jacobs, Colton Miller banged up, and Aiden O'Connell on the road this year has been the league's worst quarterback. 
I think the Colts should be favored by way more than three and a half. Till I see it, I'm taking the Colts to win 26-20 over the Raiders. Rams at Giants. This is going to be closer than people think. I'm going to take the Giants plus five and a half. Rams, I think, will win late, although their field goal kicking suspect. The Giants are three and one in their last four home games. I've always liked Tyrod Taylor. Smart guy, doesn't make any mistakes. This year in his three starts, 92.8 passer rating, no picks. Rams defense over the last three weeks, they've gotten into shootouts. It has regressed. It's a bunch of kids. It's a little banged up. I think it's a really close game. The Giants are going to cover. I wouldn't be shocked if they won. Rams are going to win 24-20, but I think five and a half is just way too many points. West Coast team, indoor team going outdoors to a feisty New York Giants team that I think is well coached. Cardinals and Eagles. I'm taking the 11 and a half. Give me a break. Kyler Murray moves the chains. Jalen Hurts has been struggling. Kyler Murray this year, 97 and a half passer rating. Last week's loss to the Bears. He's been a good player. He moves the sticks. Jonathan Gannon's the coach. You know he wants to impress his former employee, the Eagles. And let's be honest about Philly. I like him, but they're, they're a rough sled right now. Four of their last five games, they've allowed 25-plus points. The offense can't put good quarters together. Jalen Hurts has 18 giveaways. Philadelphia is the better team, but this defense since week eight, the coordinators have figured it out. You can move the ball, and Kyler Murray, his instincts are tough. 11 and a half points? Give me a break. Arizona's going to cover. They're not going to win, but they're going to cover 30-24 Philly. Steelers at Seahawks. Steelers are overvalued. Mason Rudolph on the road. Aggressive defense that's getting better. I like Seattle minus three and a half. By the way, Geno Smith returned last week. I don't think he's a hoist the trophy guy, but Geno's more than capable. He he completed 69% of his throws last week and 105 passer rating against the Titans defense. And the Seahawks defense, give Pete Carroll credit, last couple of weeks it has played better. And the Steeler team, give me, you know, George Pickens was great. But they beat Jake Browning. Okay, this offense is a water pistol. Mason Rudolph, passer rating career, low 80s. I think Seattle's going to win this game, and I don't think it's going to be as close. I'm going to take Seattle 27-21, and I don't think it'll feel that close. I think you'll know watching this game, Seattle is the better team. So it's a weird, weird week for lines. I don't love them, but I'm going to take some favorites, the Texans, the Colts, and the Seahawks. And I'm going to take a couple of dogs because I do like the coach and the quarterbacks consistent with the Giants and the car- plus 11 and a half. Again, I know Philly's going to win. That's a lot of points. You can move the ball against Philadelphia. 11 and a half? Who are they blowing out this year? I just I just looked it up. Kyler Murray back at practice today. He had an illness. He'd been out all week. And Hollywood Brown, though, is going on the IR. So one less weapon for your boy, Kyler. Going into so give me your, your your summation, your opinion on my picks. I like Seattle. I like the Seattle pick the best. Um, I do not like Houston. Stroud off the concussion, really Ooh, dicey. Um, you pick some ugly games. Where's Dallas, Detroit? Where, where, where's, uh, I was gonna Baltimore, take, Miami. Come on, man. No, Baltimore, Miami is. I, I tell you, I I try to stay away from the big TV games. There's too much emotion. Also, Baltimore's off a huge dra- dramatic win. I think I think they're the better team. And they're at home. But I could see them pulling back. You know, you beat the Niners. 
even if you lose or beat the Niners, they, they tend to beat you up physically a little bit. So I think Baltimore situationally is going to regress and not play that well. Miami played okay and beat Dallas, but they got something to prove because nobody believes in them still. So I was and, and by the way, Detroit, Dallas, I strongly considered. I strongly considered. I think Dallas is going to win. They're good at home. But I will say this. Detroit can run the ball, and you can run on Dallas. So I just I would have taken, I think, initially in the week, I would have taken the Cowboys. The more I looked at it, I would have taken Detroit. But we'll see. The second season of El Flow is here. Step into the ever-evolving world of reggaeton and get up close with both legendary figures and emerging talents in the industry. Part of the enormous significance of reggaeton is really the way in which personal narratives connect to larger things going on historically and socially. Listen to El Flow on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. I'm John Seifer. And I'm Jerry O'Shea. We spent over 30 years in the CIA uncovering global conspiracies. Conspiracies aren't just a theory to us, which is why we started our podcast, Mission Implausible. Everyone has questions about conspiracy theories, but with our background, we can actually answer those questions. Anyone can just start screaming about microchips and Jewish space lasers, but it's our mission to remove the bull and get down to what's real. Listen to Mission Implausible on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 